Hey, who's that kid tied up in the corner? That piece of Ariel Adamson wouldn't give me a discount on my butter burger at Culver's. So you kidnapped him? Well, I mean, after I burned the place down, I had to. He would have called the local guard. The police. Right, yeah, he would have called the police. Wh what did you roll? Natural 19 plus 3. Oh, yeah. That's at least half off. What a jerk. I'm going to go alternate intimidating him and punching him. Excellent. Use the scroll of heat metal on that chair, too. Oh, heck yeah. Time to learn the rules, boy. Garen, you ready? It's about to drop. Do it. Dungeons and Dragons. Dan here. I started out in 5e. And me? I was sitting behind the DM screen. Yeah, that was three short years ago. I built a dragonborn fighter with no gusto. Fast forward a year. We're buying supplements and copping brand new gear. Incessantly making characters for one another. The only one who cared, of course, was our brother. Building new characters, score them all day. Each and every week, a brand new baby. How's their melee? How's their range? How's their magic? How controlling? How deranged? That's not a category. Just keep going. Uh, I think we were here? Grab a comfy chair and a glass of mead. Another fresh episode in your feed. Other podcasts can be kind of drab. This ain't one, it's the Character Lab. Welcome to the D&D Character Lab, the show based around one thing we as players cannot resist. And that is compulsively creating characters and daydreaming about their validity in-game. Each week, we're bringing a new character to the table, drawing from a plethora of published content, and scoring it against a predefined table of criteria. It is then up to us to use our own personal charisma modifiers to prove to the other that our baby is better. Hey everybody, it's Dan. And I'm Garen, and this week we are smashing taillights and pulling sick donuts in our battle carts as we built not only characters, but vehicles from E.R.F. Jordan's 45-page book, Twisted Mithril. We assume the author was inspired by games like Twisted Metal and Mario Kart, but also the Pedals to the Metal arc of the Adventure Zone's Balance Campaign. This book also gives game mechanics for building your cart and also rules for battling them. The writing is really tight, too. ERF Jordan managed to give detailed rules for everything, including hanging from a moving cart, while not getting overly verbose in the rules explanation. I really appreciate that. Yeah, I had a lot of fun. There's also some feats in here, magic items. There's plenty to keep you busy in addition to the subclasses and other fun stuff that we normally dive into. Yes, and of course, as we're looking for those player options, there were six subclasses to choose from. So let's jump into it. I'm sorry, let's get in the driver's seat. Dan, what did you pick this week? So let me introduce you this week to Marcus Kane. Marcus Kane was an ambitious young man enrolled in the local university aspiring to be a doctor. While gathering up his prerequisites, however, tragedy struck the Kane family, and Marcus's father, the sole breadwinner of the family, perished in a catastrophic fire at the mechanic shop where he worked in the center of town. With the money pipeline in the Kane family flowing at a mere drip, Marcus was forced to drop out of university and return home, work to save money so that he could one day return to the university. Without any discernible skill sets to his name, Marcus applied to every job in sight, including a position with the Sweet Tooth Ice Cream Shop as a ice cream truck driver. He figured seeing the happiness on children's faces would fix the holes that were now forming in his heart. Not only did Marcus deeply miss his father, but it also became alarmingly clear that Marcus was going nowhere fast and was not on a course to amount to much at his current wage. 
It would take decades to save up enough cash to return to school at this rate. Marcus became despondent. One day, a young customer noted that, You know, for an ice cream man, you sure don't look very happy. Marcus knew that he was simply not able to change this. He was miserable. So he began tinkering, and he made a smiling clown mask that he would wear when on his route. That way, he would appear cheerful effortlessly. He called himself Needles the Clown. He was a smash hit with the children in the neighborhood, but the emptiness persisted. Until one day, Marcus tragically struck a child pedestrian in the street with his massive ice cream truck. The child was announced dead on the scene. He didn't stand a chance against the behemoth truck. What's even more tragic is that Marcus, who now went by Needles full time, got great joy from the incident. It was reported that he was even smiling when giving details to the police when they were collecting information for the police report. Needles was addicted to this feeling. He started tinkering with the ice cream truck in his off time, adding deadly components that would surely harm others. One night, he went completely mad and set his home on fire where his mother and sister lived while adding fire blasters to his truck. However, he was seemingly unscathed by the flames while his mother and sister both perished. The police decided to take him in for questioning where all he did was laugh incessantly. It was then decided to lock him away in a psychiatric hospital indefinitely. He was a danger to society. While locked away for just two short months, he managed to spontaneously start many fires within his unit and actually slay four patients with improvised weapons before escaping. He hunted down his ice cream truck, which he now endearingly called Sweet Tooth, and is now on a journey to cause mass chaos, just he and his ride, in a town near you. I'd like to introduce you to Needles Kane, a level 8 fire ganasi charioteer fighter with a fugitive background. Now the subclass is from the Twisted Mithril Supplement, and the background that I use this week is from a $1 supplement, part of a series of Ravenloft backgrounds that are present on DM's Guild by Jacob Driscoll. This one is called The Fugitive, a Ravenloft background. So be sure to check all of these supplements out. Links are in the show notes. And if you'd like to see an animated version of Dan's backstory, just play the game Twisted Metal Black, because I'm pretty sure that's what that was. That's exactly what that was, Garen. <laughs> well, I would love to see how your fighter shapes up with his cart. Can't wait to find out what your cart is like. First, I want to get into my backstory. Now, I did get some really nice feedback during the Apocalypse episode when I did a first-person backstory. And I thought you liked that too, right, Dan? Oh, yeah. So I've got a little something special planned for this week's episode. I have actually uh, created a female character, and I have a special guest. The city of Akormir is a bustling metropolis and known for its military might. Only in a place like this could battle races be handled with such competence and tenacity to make them a spectacle unlike anything you've seen. I ran away from the great high elf kingdom of Emil Saren at the age of 33. Still a child by society standards, I didn't want to wait until I was over 100 to be able to make decisions for myself. I traveled to Cormier, where living on the streets for the better part of a year, I watched the battle races and became enchanted by the elegance they displayed amidst the crashes and casualties. I got a job in a battle cart garage, and I found I had a knack for the machines. 
quickly learning and even improving on designs, I was offered a spot on the pit crew for my garage's racing team. It was a sleek, simple wooden cart, not earning a lot of wins, and that's why our only sponsor was Jamey Jr.'s Horde of Horses. The driver was a cocky triton named Maginheart Absolutely. His only previous experience driving was that of a Warforged jet ski, but apparently that was enough to impress Jamey. On the morning of that first race, with the smell of oil and magic filling my pores, I knew there was no going back. This is where I was meant to be. Maginheart lost that day. No, that's not fair to say. He crashed while trying to drive his cart off a sweet ramp, as he put it, the ramp being another cart flipped upside down. I knew there wasn't anything to be done with his brain, but I thought I could make some adjustment to the cart to prevent further wrecks, and seeing as the cart was totaled, it gave me practically free reign to experiment. Our next race we lost terribly again, but the crew chief was impressed with the changes and made me head engineer. Now if I can just figure out how many drops of midnight tears it takes to kill a Triton, everything will be perfect. And we would like to introduce to you Maya Lee Pitstop, a level 8 artificer, high elf with the urchin background, and this is a engineer artificer, which is taken from Twisted Mithril, and that was my lovely wife reading the backstory. I have to hand it to her, that's also my sister, and she did a great job, really, uh, strong-arming through those fantasy words. I'm uh, very, very excited to learn more about your pit stop girl. However, it does sound like she may be working on a lemon. Speaking of which, did you ever get those dice fixed? Not yet. Yeah, it's probably time to check those and maybe trade them in, you know? Pick up some new ones. I know just the place, man. Tabletop loot. Their site is full of all the essentials with a bonus of even more heart. Their store has shirts, mugs, tote bags, and hordes and hordes of dice. What really makes this place special is they regularly support gaming in schools by having sales where every dice set purchased means that one will be donated to a school gaming program. And what's more, their dice selection cannot be beat. We don't have time to list them all, of course, but I'm going to go ahead and highlight the one that I would use when playing Needles Cane, and that's, of course, Chaotic Clown. These dice are beautiful with swirling purples and whites with green numbers. I picked this set for obvious reasons. When you click the link in the show notes or head on over to tabletoploot.com for your next character's dice set, enter the code LABRAT at checkout, that's L-A-B-R-A-T, and get 15% off your total purchase. Now this works on everything in store except the metal Norse Foundry dice. So go ahead and head on over there, grab some fresh loot, and play that circus flute. Thank you, Dan and Tabletop Loot and Doug Floaty for that message. Now if you're just joining us, I will explain the show's format. We have established nine categories that we prepare arguments for. Actually, ten this week. You'll see. And we got to state why our character deserves a minus two to a positive two. A positive two is leaving your enemies, eating your dust, and a minus two is becoming nothing but dust. Additionally, once per show, each of us will be able to force the other to roll for the score in which we are arguing as a charisma save using the charisma score for our character. Then at the end, whoever has the most points wins. Now, it's time to get started with the number one category we always have, and that is melee. So, uh, my first couple of categories are going to be keeping it simple, clean, and easy. In melee, I got a dagger with a plus five to hit, one d4, plus two damage. Also got a sickle, which I am not good with, but I chose it because I like it. So that's a plus two to hit, one d4, minus one. I'm arguing a zero. Uh, no. You're dealing out minus one on your modifier. That's, that's minus one territory. But it's the second one. I also have the dagger, which is a plus two. Yeah, 1d4 plus two to be exact. Yeah, 
now this is level eight. You got to do more than six damage <laughs> to wow me. So I don't think so. Why are you so obtuse? All right. I'll take a minus one. Minus one qualifies as better than nothing, folks. Uh, I am arguing a plus one in this category. I have two attacks. I also have action surge. I've got a great sword with a plus six to hit. Deals out 2d6 plus three damage. And with those two attacks, the max is 30 damage. But if I were to use action surge, the max would be 60 damage. I'm loving it. Oof. Plus one. Yeah. Uh, so compared to my six, yeah, I think you can have a plus one on that. <laughs> but you got one-tenth. I got it. I'm, I'm in the mix, really. So moving into the ranged category, I got to admit here, I stretched it a bit. I'm arguing a zero. I have a feature of this fighter class, which is called the Charioteer, called Road Killer. And starting at third level, you're so skilled at striking creatures with your carts. That's right, my ice cream truck can kill them kids. Whoa. When you strike a creature with your land vehicle, the impact deals additional damage equal to half of your fighter level rounded down, which is four. So I'm using striking with my ice cream truck as a ranged attack with that plus four with this road killer feature. So how does this work, you may ask? Well, basically when you are moving and you may strike either another vehicle or a creature, they must make a dexterity saving throw, which is the the DC for that is 10 plus the cart's dexterity modifier. And on a failed save, the target takes bludgeoning damage equal to the cart's strength score. So in my case, putting the cart before the horse, if you will, a bit, my cart's strength score is 14, and the dexterity modifier is 12. So they would have to succeed on a DC 12 deck save or take 18 points of bludgeoning damage from the ice cream truck. Okay, and so hitting people with your truck is your range category. That's my range. And you're arguing a what? Zero. Okay, let me see how Mia Lee does on her deck save to try and avoid getting hit by your truck. Okay, so she got hit by the truck. I can give you the zero. How does she feel? Not great. She rolled a five on that deck save. She's going to take that full thing to the face. She's also got not great hit points, which you'll find out later. I am arguing a plus one, not for damage, but for cool factor. So I've got a crossbow, plus five to hit, 1d8, plus two. But I've also got my dagger. Now, my dagger is actually a plus six to hit, 1d4, plus three. And it is a weapon of returning. So it's like a boomerang dagger. I throw it, stabs them, comes back to my hand. What do you say? It's pretty neat, but it still only does seven damage max. Sure, but I also have my crossbow, so I got options. That is one of my infusions as an artificer. If you're not familiar with the artificer, you do get infusion items, and uh, that's one of the ones I've made. I do really like that. We both are bringing in unique features from this supplement. I think we call it one for one. Let's let's both take a zero and move on to the burninating category. That's fair. Okay, Thorn Whip. Plus seven hit, 2d6 damage. I've also got a spell out of the supplement, which is Magnetic Bolt. This is a plus seven to hit because it's my spellcasting modifier. 1d10 force damage. And if the target is metallic, it's also pushed 10 feet away. So that's a little bit of control category for you. I really do like that spell, though. I do like the extra little flavor on that for a level one spell. It's got a couple factors to it, which is always a little bit more appealing. So I am arguing at level eight, I mean, I, I would like a one, but I understand a zero. Yeah, you'll get a zero because you're using an original spell. I am arguing a minus one because I also have two spells 
How, you may ask, I am a fire ganasi. I can produce flame, and I also have burning hands. Ah. Um, but because this is a racial feature, kind of vanilla, I'm willing to part with a minus one on the magic damage. That is uh, that is absolutely fair. You got something, which I am surprised by legitimately. So let's hear your control. So control in and out of battle, I'm arguing a plus one. I'm proficient in land vehicles, of course. Uh-huh. But I also have a charioteer feature called Born to the Reins. Starting at third level, your mastery as a driver becomes apparent. You have advantage on saving throws made to resist being dismounted from your cart. If you're dismounted and fall no more than 10 feet, you land on your feet if you are not incapacitated. Finally, dismounting or mounting your cart only costs five feet of movement speed. I think that's really handy when basically my main mode of transportation is this ice cream truck. I also took two feats from this supplement. The first one is called Vehicle Mastery. It also gives proficiency in land vehicles, or you can choose water. So because I already have land, I'm also able to drive the ice cream boat. Why not? Nice. An ice cream boat is a market that we really need to get interested in. Maybe we should invest some of our Patreon money in an ice cream boat. Like a pontoon, right? Just out there on the lake while people are cruising on Memorial Day? Guys, uh, completely unrelated note, but we're launching our new Patreon tier starting at $10,000 tomorrow. Get us a boat. Uh, The other feature of this feat is if your vehicle is subjected to an effect that allows you to make a deck saving throw on its behalf to take only half damage, it instead takes no damage if it succeeds on the saving throw and only half damage if it fails, which is great for those vehicle-on-vehicle strikes. If you pass that deck save, you're able to swerve out of the way and take no damage. Super, super cool for those cart matches. Uh, and finally, the, the last feat that I took was called Rider Slayer. And you have specialized techniques useful in combat with mounted creatures, gaining the following benefits. You suffer no disadvantage when making melee attacks or initiating grapples against a creature as a result of their mounted status. And you have advantage on dexterity saving throws to avoid being struck by vehicles and mounts. Not only do I take no damage on a success, but also I have advantage on the roll. So super cool with those two feet stacked. And then finally, the background feature of the fugitive is called a place to hide. You have a knack for finding places that are innocuous and easily overlooked to bed down for the night. When you use this feature, you can find such a location within six miles simply by using your instincts. You might locate a rundown but comfortable inn, or find a quiet crook of a tree's root, or notice a cave overlooking a path that can't be easily seen from the path. Creatures who are not specifically looking for you won't notice your campsite, and if your location is otherwise uncovered, you become aware of this discovery 10 minutes before you're actually found, even if you're asleep at the time. What I like about this specifically from this supplement is that it gives specifics. A lot of times you get in these background features and you're like, like Haunted One. You know, Garen and I are playing a campaign right now, and one of the players at the table likes to say, yeah, but I'm I'm a Haunted One. And so he looks at me and he's scared and he's going to be intimidated. That's not how it works, right. you know, but nobody really knows exactly how it works. Yeah, it is kind of up to discretion, and I agree. I like the details that they're giving there, especially that 10-minute factor. That's nice. So that is what I have in the control category for a plus one. That is a lot better than I expected when you told me it was going to be a plus one, because I was gonna, I was all ready to say, no, I'm getting a plus one, you're getting a zero. I think this is a one-for-one, one, actually. A great, strong category for you, for you, and I like hearing about the details of actually being in the car, because if you haven't figured it out yet, Mia Lee is not driving my car. Okay, so my category is, I got Levitate Spell, I've got Enhance Ability Spell, Lightning Lure, I have also got the Boots of the Winding Path. 
This is one of my infusions as being an artificer. While wearing the boots, a creature can teleport up to 15 feet as a bonus action to an unoccupied space the creature can see. The creature must have occupied that space at some point during the current turn. So that is actually a cool little bit of control. Like I can run in, stab, and then teleport back 15 feet. Not bad. I have also got the Wand of Secrets is another infusion. It's an actual item that is in the game, and I've created an own copy for myself, so it's not cheating that I have this magic item, and I can use it to find secret doors and traps. Three charges, and they uh, they recharge. So I'm also arguing a plus one. Yeah, this is easy one for one. You know what I really like is that you have this stab teleport skill, but you've also got the option to boomerang that dagger too. So you kind of have some alternate ranged options in your arsenal, which is really cool. Yeah, exactly. I'm not dealing a lot of damage by any means, but I'm tricky. And that's what I liked about this build. I, I feel like everything about this melee character is a smart character. She's not going to rush in and get herself beat up. She's going to work around the angles, you know what I mean? So take us into the tankiness category. How well can your character this week take a hit? Okay, not a great category for me. I do have a minus one to my con, so I've only got 56 hit points. But I do have an AC of 16 because scale mail is standard issue for dangerous pit crew situations because there's a lot of scrap getting flown around when people like needles are crashing their trucks into folks. So I always see that when I'm watching NASCAR. They're always wearing scale mail, and I was wondering why. Yeah, you got to be fully covered when you're down there, you know, in the heat. In the middle. Yeah, they don't worry about, you know, when they pass out and stuff. They just, you know, rehydrate and get right back to it. They have a plentiful amount of good berries. So I'm arguing a zero. I think an AC of 16 is pretty respectable. Eh. Okay, a zero, yes. Okay, that's fine. I have 88 HP, AC of 17. I took the defense fighting style, and I also have chain mail. I've got second wind, and I'm resistant to fire damage as a fire ganasi. Uh -huh. In comparison to you, I think I'm a plus two. Ooh, but are you a plus two for a level eight character? I would say in comparison, though, I have one on your AC, but then I also have 26 more HP, a resistance to one of the most popular types of damage, and the ability to recharge, take a breath, and regain a potential of 18 hit points. All right, roll for it. Okay. As an evil clown, I have a 15 charisma. So I got a plus two modifier. The DC for this is a 17. Got to roll a 15 or better. I rolled a 15. I'll take it to the bank. Dang. I think that's the first time one of those have been hit in a while. I will take my plus two to your zero, friend. And I'll take us right into the car this week. This is a new category just for this week. I'm arguing a plus two for my car. So in the back of this supplement, they have pre-made cars. I went and I was tinkering around. I was going to build my own ride. But then I saw the Hellrider. Oh, jeez. It's a large land vehicle, and it's got an AC of 1676 hit points, goes a maximum of 60 feet move speed. It can hold eight of my friends. It also has the Armor of Forbiddance, which creatures cannot teleport into the Hellrider, whether through magic, planar travel, or other means. It also has a couple of really cool features. So let's go to the weapons, right? It has a Ray of Scorching, which has three charges per long rest, as an action, you can expend a charge to fire a beam of scorching energy at a target within range, which is 120 feet. They must make a DC 14 deck save or take 2d6 fire damage on a failed save or half as much on a successful. So that's the juicy bits. Now, if we want to just talk about cool features, it has a darkness field that you can use once per 8 hour. And as an action, you can activate this mechanism to create a magical field of darkness that surrounds the car and its occupants following the cart as it moves. 
A creature with dark vision cannot see through the darkness and non-magical light can't illuminate it. This darkness lasts for an entire hour or until dispelled by activating this mechanism again. Also, I have another feature called Nightmare Wheels, which you can use once per day. As an action, you can cause the wheels to cloak the cart in a ghostly flame. The cart and any creatures mounted on it enter the ethereal plane until the beginning of the Hellrider's next turn. While in this plane, you ignore all objects and effects on the plane, and it allows you to pass through objects. So that right there is the Hellrider. I'm arguing a plus two. The, the stats on this thing are strength of 14, dex of 14, and a con of 16. Each of these rides only has those three stats because a car with charisma belongs in a Pixar movie. Okay, this is a tough category to score here because you've chosen a very cool pre-made ride and I built my own. And I didn't go full OP here, guys. There is everything from basic stuff to really elite stuff. And some of that was pulled from uh, Dan's build there. So I have chosen to build a vehicle that is true to my backstory. It's called the MC Hammer because you can't touch this. It's got the Armor of Mending, which has an AC of only 14, but it recovers 1d4 hit points at the start of the turn. It's got the basic chassis, which is just wooden, with a strength of 10, dex of 12, con of 10. But I'm not done there, because I do have a combustion engine, which has a strength modifier of plus two. Now, the cool thing about the engineer is my level three feature is actually creating the combustion engine. So there are even more powerful engines, like the arcane engine, and the Hellfire or Sentient engine. And at ninth level, and only one more level up, I will get an Arcane engine, which will also increase my strength by another two on that. I've got the Fog Field, which is like your darkness. It takes eight hours to recharge, and it gives a 20-foot radius of fog. And I've got Thunder Mortar, which as an action, a 15-foot radius. All other cars must succeed on a DC 14 strength save, or they take 2d10 thunder damage and are pushed 10 feet away. And of course, they are not pushed if successful, so it's kind of like a thunder wave. And the best part about the MC Hammer is it's got wheels of spider climb, which boost my decks by four and give my car climbing speed equal to my walking speed. Oh man, your car can climb. Yeah. Can we go one for one here? These are both really cool cars. Yeah, I think we're better off just not scoring this and just highlighting some of the really cool stuff that's in the Twisted Mithril supplement. Uh, because otherwise, we're just going to be arguing over minutiae at this point. So moving into Ally Assist this week, we have another five-star review. And this time, it is by Ruckland. It reads, I don't even play D&D anymore. No, really, I don't. I don't have the time anymore to play D&D. But I would sooner become hashtag Team Dan than give up this show. The wonderful character creations they come up with every episode are always fun. Both Dan and Garen are always brilliant, not only with their creations, but the arguments that they use to argue for why their character is better. Do yourself a favor. If you've ever played D&D or are just getting started, listen to the show. It'll open your eyes to so many fun ways to build a character that is more than the boring min-max style. And yes, I am hashtag Team Garen. Well, Garen, I'm glad that you've got one. I do have... On paper, black and white, at least one fan. Thank you, Rockland. <laughs> and that's why I put this one in the show notes at a time that you would be reading it, because I wanted you to really have to sit in that. Yeah, that didn't feel good. So thank you, Rockland, for your five-star review. Guys, if you do write us a five-star review, we'll be checking back with those periodically, and we will add them to future episodes. So let's get an ally assist, and this is the 
saying it right now, strongest category for Mia Lee Pitstop, and not in the ways that we normally know. My sixth level feature as being an engineer is called Master of Movement. Now, this is a really unique idea that I think has a lot of value. So take the spells Expeditious Retreat and Spider Climb, two that I have in my repertoire. With Master of Movement, if a creature could teleport, it increases the distance by half on top of the max. If it's a movement speed or a technique like Expeditious Retreat or Spider Climb, it doubles the duration. And I can cast Long Strider a number of times equal to my intelligence before I must take a long rest. And that's four times per long rest. So that's four Long Striders, which is also great. There are other spells like that, like the spell Jump, but I didn't have it because I needed to save space on my spell slots. But I do have another spell that is out of the supplement, and that is called Magnetic Shield. This is a reaction, second level spell. And if a creature is about to be hit by a metal implement, like an arrow point or a sword, I roll a d6. The damage is reduced by that number. If the damage is reduced to zero, you also push the attacker 10 feet away. I'm loving these magnetic themes. So the only thing I'm going to say about this spell is because it's a second level spell and it's only a max reduction of a d6 die. And there's a very small chance, of course, that you would get the full six, right? I think the die could have been bumped up a little bit on this. Yeah, I'll agree with you there. We could have gone with a d10 and been safe, for sure. Yeah, I think if you're spending a second level spell slot to protect your friend, I mean, it does have that push, but the push is a pretty small chance. So, you know, give yourself a little bit chance for, uh, for more defense there. So that is it. It's not a long category, but it is strong. And I think it's worthy of a plus two. Yeah, you do have a fair amount. I, I'll give you that. Okay, but you're going to roll for this plus two. It is definitely your strongest category. I totally thought you were going to forget. All right, plus two to my charisma. But this is like friendly charisma, not like your creep. I rolled a 13, which is not enough. Well, you'll take a plus one. I'm marking a zero because I'm serving up the best ice cream in town. What? No. Name. What? Name for me. Three fantasy flavors, and you can have a zero right now. Blood sausage. <laughs> Dragon mint surprise. What is the surprise? That's a surprise. And of course, chocolate elvenberry, which is like goodberry, only they don't want to satiate you for a full 24 hours. They want you coming back for more. I would love to go to a con and try chocolate elvenberry. That one's really got me. You can have a zero for that. Uh, so listeners... Please respond to us on Twitter, on Facebook, wherever you want, on the comments section on SoundCloud, and tell us if you would rather have Blood Sausage, Dragon Mint Surprise, or Chocolate Elfenberry as an ice cream. And that will be on our ice cream pontoon boat once we finally get it up and running. This is an exciting moment. You guys are witnessing the uh, the future of the lab here. Okay, Dan, how balanced is Needles? Argonne plus two. One thing that I'll say is a level eight fighter is very easy to make quite balanced because you get those three ability score increases I took two feats, but I also had an ability score increase. So I have a strength of 16, dex of 12, con of 12, intelligence of 12, wisdom of 10, charisma of 15. Saving throws uh, in strength and constitution, proficient in acrobatics, intimidation, and stealth. Mm. I also have that AC of 17, 88 hit points, a passive perception of 10. And unfortunately, my spellcasting modifier is a plus 4 to hit and a 12 on the spell save DC because it operates off of your con as a fire ganasi. Oh. Uh, unfortunately, I don't really have a problem 
with the arguing for the balance of that build. So yes, you can have your plus two. I'm being honest with myself here. This is a zero balance category. Mia Lee is a strength of eight, dex of 15, con of nine, intelligence of 14, wisdom of 13, charisma of 14, plus two to my con saving throws because I'm proficient in those, but I have a low con and a plus seven to my intelligence saving throws. I'm also proficient in arcana investigation, perception, sleight of hand, and stealth. Uh, you're going to take that zero. I have no issue with that. Let's move right into the charisma scenario for this week, which was submitted by our patron, our friend, Ben Potts. Of all the carts in the city, none are more admired than those of Duke Gedrick Calbunyan. The Duke keeps his carts under lock and key on the grounds of his manor house, and stealing even one of them would set you up for life. Stealing two would not only set you up for life, but it'd get you a sweet ride. Can you steal one cart? Can you steal two? Okay, not a great episode for me, but I am going to finish so strong on this because I was made for these categories. Check this out. I took the Junker feat, which gave me proficiency in thieves tools. And it also, for the record, it also gives you a 10% increase or discount on buying or selling any components that have to do with your carts. So those thieves tools get me in the door because I'm also proficient in disguise kit. So I make my and the rest of the pit crew look like a different pit crew, like, you know, stupid needles pit crew or something like that. I don't need no pit crew. That that does sound right. I have also got the knock spell. So if I can't thieves my way in, I just knock that door open. I then have Tensor's Floating Disc, which can hold up to 500 pounds. And with all the heaviest items on a cart, except the chassis, I would have to have a medium chassis. I can basically hold a whole cart on Tensor's Floating Disc. Uh, that's a stretch. 500 pounds? I added up all the factors. And if it's a medium chassis, I could take the heaviest of everything else on that list and still be under 500 pounds. Mine weighs 503 pounds. It's right there in black and white, so I'll take it. Yes. I also can cast Enhance Ability, Bold Strength on my party's Barbarian, who is hopefully a Goliath. So their carrying capacity is doubled, and they could just put a car under their arm. And then we walk out, we have also got Sending Stones, which are one of my infusions, and Goggles of the Night to see through the night. So we are a full-on, gone in 60 seconds, car-stealing crew right now. Yeah, you guys really did come prepared for this specific scenario. It's spooky, right? That's a plus two. Yeah, that's a plus two. That's tailor-made. I, on the other hand, uh, I'm a fighter, so I'm doing the best I can. I would drive over to where Duke houses his rides, and I would activate the darkness field on my ride, as well as my sweet little ice cream truck jingle. With that blaring, everyone that was tasked with keeping those carts safe would obviously be looking feverishly for the ice cream truck that sounds ever so close on this blazing hot day. I would then have one of my eight passengers take over driving around in a circle, and while those who were tasked with keeping these carts safe were distracted, I'd apply my disguise kit to throw on a greasy jumpsuit to look like I was some lowly mechanic. And uh, rule of ten, I would just pick that lock. That's why I'm arguing a plus one. A plus one? There's some abilities in there. You're distracting them with your cart and then rules of tenning me? Yeah, ten. I'll take a zero. Unfortunately, it doesn't get much better in the aggressive portion of this. Uh, how I would handle it aggressively? I'm arguing a zero. I would go through Twisted Metal and just floor it right into the gates. Yep. I'd just break right on through. Take one of the carts, and I'd blast anybody that gets in the way with one of my rays of scorching along the way. I would then peel out of there like a clown out of the circus. 
So you're just hitching the card up to the back of yours and dragging it out? That's it. Yeah, it's aggressive. The nice part about taking a pre-made ride is I know the carrying capacity is 2,700 pounds, so it could tow it with no issue. Oh, for sure. All right, I'll take my zero then. How do you handle this aggressively? I am proficient with brewer supplies, carpenter's tools, and tinkerer's tools. So I put together a whole theatrical set. Also, with my crafting feature as being an engineer, crafting takes a quarter of the normal time and half the amount of gold. So this is not a huge investment for me. I have to say, crafting a theater set, a full-on theatrical set, very aggressive. Good job, Garen. And then, and then, (laughs) I also use my tinkerer's tools to build a video camera. So aggressive. I bust in in broad daylight, and I tell the Duke's men, you're in luck. You guys are about to be famous all over the kingdom, because I have chosen you for your natural charisma and poise to be the star's in this new musical that I am putting up, and I'm going to film it right with this camera. I bust out the brewer supplies. I get them some drinks to get them kind of loose, and we spend the rest of the afternoon going over the choreographed number and getting all the music down. Then the team finally performs that hit song, Greased Lightning Lure. And with some dancing lights to set the mood, and in the final moment as they strike that tableau, posed posed all around the car, I cast grease on the ground, and they all slip and totally eat it on the pavement, and I hop in that car and drive out. One of the longest and most creative aggressive scenarios we've had in the lab. What are you arguing here? That's a plus two. That's a plus two. There's no question about it. Okay, you did finish strong. You weren't messing around. So let's take it into the X Factor, which is our unscored portion of the show. And it basically answers the question, would you like to play this character in a campaign setting? So I would love to play a kart racer in a one-shot. I think the only reason I'm not saying in a full campaign is because it's kind of hard to wrap your head around how you would incorporate that kart into every arc of the story. You know what I mean? Because your character, even more so than mine, your abilities are reliant on being behind the wheel of your car. 100% true. A one-shot with kart racing would be a legendary evening with your friends. I mean, that would be an absolute blast, and I would love to do that sometime. Yeah, I agree with you there. I can't say that I would ever play a chaotic, evil character, just for the mere fact that it has to be incredibly hard for that character to get along with anybody in the party. I don't see how you carry out any objective with that character being in the party. But if it was a one-shot... You guys wouldn't even have to be friends. You could be competitors in a race, and you could have your role-playing scenarios. You go into the race. I I think that would be pretty awesome. Oh, absolutely. I'm just saying for my character personally, I would never play Needles in a full-out campaign. In a one-shot evening, a full twisted metal-themed evening, absolutely. This would be a lot of fun. I'm with you. I would actually be okay with incorporating carts into a full campaign setting, but they would have to have, like you said, limits or some sort of boundaries as to when you're using the carts and when you're on foot and also where you would store it and people wouldn't steal it. There'd be a lot to consider there. We already lose track of mounts, so this would be kind of a little bit more difficult. It's amazing how the places that those mounts show up without us feeding them, bringing them to water, anything. Yep. Awesome, awesome supplement by ERF Jordan yet again. Lightning does indeed strike twice. I absolutely agree, Dan. Big high five to ERF Jordan on this product. And thank you, Dan, for letting me finish so strong on this episode. We tied it up again, five to five on this one. We crossed the line at the exact same time. So like the end of Disney Pixar's Cars, we are going to have to meet in California in one week to have a race off. When we do so, it looks like we'll be 
in California for our next week's feature when we show off Alex Klippinger's newest work with his Book of Paths. Much like his Warlock featured supplement earlier this year, except with barbarians yes and that will be our monthly competitive episode so there will be a prize on the line it's actually perfect that this worked out this way we're gonna have to come hungry next week dan because those prizes are of course never a disappointment or a joke so we really want to win but guys check out twisted mithril on dm's guild it's only four dollars and 95 cents it does include all of this content and way more there are a lot more spells too especially higher level spells that i was not able to access because artificers are a partial caster one other thing that i'd like to throw out there if you are a creator or you know of some creations out there that you'd like us to feature shoot us an email over at dndcharacterlab at gmail.com we're always accepting submissions for review and also if you'd like any advice on your character build if you have a concept in mind but you're not not quite sure what supplement to look for give garen or i a shout on twitter facebook or our email and we'll be happy to point you in the right direction because we've covered a lot of bases here and so we know of a lot of great supplements made by some brilliant creators out there in the community and also remember lab rats when it comes to character creation it doesn't have to be optimized it just has to be fun thank you we hope you enjoyed this episode of The Lab, and all episodes for that matter. Yeah, but if you left this episode just wanting more, you can join us on Patreon for tons of bonus content. At our lowest tier, you can join our Discord and participate in fan battles and have access to all PDF content that we post. You can even chat with us throughout the day. For just a little bit more, you get two bonus episodes a month and access to the entire backlog of fight clubs, monster labs, and special interviews that we've been pumping out since March of 2018. Patrons in the next tier get early access to our regular show, sometimes as much as nine days prior to release date. They also get PDFs of the character sheets for the characters that we've built in the 2019 episodes and beyond, and they can submit a smooth operator or spitting fire charisma scenario that we will use in each and every episode. And our top, top tier patrons get merch a couple times a year, have a chance to submit characters, and can sway the fates with automatic crits and fails on our charisma rolls during the show. At any level, we hope to bring you more fun. We love working Working on this show and the support of our patrons helps continue to make it better. If you're digging the new audio production that began in 2019, just know that it wouldn't be possible without those that already donate. And we have more plans to beef up the lab, and we need your help to do it. But however you support us, we thank you. We hope to have you back next week. Head over to our Facebook and Twitter at DD Character Lab for some previews, what to expect, and lots of links to other great community content. Until Wednesday, peace, love, and point by. Oh, why was I typing? Um, okay, let me type now. I'm writing this on the on the show notes so I remember to add the Ray Romano's background. Ray Romano's background? Yes, I need to add Ray Romano's background. <laughs>